right. Well, thank you. Ooh, you turn me. Can turn down. All right. There we go. I can't hear anything today, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, well, welcome to Living Hope Church. If you have children uh, that are kindergarten to third grade, they're going down for children's church. They can dismiss out the back um, with Miss Melody. Um, if your kids are staying with us today, there's activities on that back table that they are free to grab. Uh, there's also a sermon notes designed for them uh, that they can grab and fill out and come see me afterwards. I'll have a piece of candy for them. Or if you're a grown up and just like bingo, you can grab, a, grab one as well. Uh, but today we are wrapping up our four-part series that we have titled, Who You Say I Am. And as we have said every week, to capitalize you in Who You Say I Am is the key to the series. In this series, we are looking at who God says that we are in Him. We are looking at what God in the Bible speaks over our identity, our personhood, who we are as followers of Jesus. In week one, we began at the beginning at our core, and we looked at who we were created by and who we were created to be. We saw that God created each of us individually with intentionality and purpose. God created us the way we are in his image, and he has given our lives not only value, but purpose and intentionality. In week two, we looked at the truth that God speaks over our lives as followers of Jesus, that I am a child of God. In Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We are promised eternity in heaven with God, but it's even better than that. God speaks over our lives. Not only are we forgiven, but he calls us his own. He has made us his sons and his daughters, and he loves us in that manner. He loves us as an almighty, all-powerful father, but also as a daddy loves their young child. And I love my children because they are my children. And because they are my children, I have a deep love that will never depart. I love them when they succeed. I love them when they triumph. I love them when they fail. I love them when they disobey and when they let me down. In the same way God loves us, he sings over us, he rejoices over us because we are his child. Then last week we looked at the really elementary but just incredible truth that in Jesus I am forgiven. And I am completely and totally forgiven. When we as humans, when we forgive one another, we kind of hold on to that offense or that sin committed against us. And not only do we remember it, but we hold on to it and we are not afraid to use it again in the future. But as we saw, when we experience forgiveness through Jesus, forgiveness is not partial, but it is total and complete. And in Jesus, he offers forgiveness not only for our past sins, but he offers forgiveness for our present sins, our present struggles and addictions. And it's even better than that because in Jesus, he has also paid the debt, paid the price for any future sin we might commit. In Jesus, we are totally and completely forgiven. And David says that our sin is, and even our guilt and our shame is taken as far as the east is from the west. So we are completely and totally forgiven. And God desires for us to walk forward in that freedom. So God speaks over my life and he speaks over your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, I am created. I am a child of God and I am totally and completely forgiven. And today we're going to visit yet another truth that we know intellectually, but I think we often fail to understand the power and live under the reality of this promise. And today's I am statement is this, in Jesus, I am not forsaken. Our primary text for this will be Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, but we're going to look at some other passages throughout the Old Testament where Jesus also utters this promise, where he utters, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Again, we understand this intellectually, but in the familiarity, we miss the awe and the wonder of the promise. The God of the universe has promised you and I, as his followers, that he will never, no matter what, leave us or forsake us. 
Back in September, Cademan, that's my oldest son and I, we had the opportunity to travel to Wisconsin. And we met my dad and my father-in-law and my brother-in-law there. And we went on this trip primarily to go to a football game. My college football team is Washington State University. I've got the shirt on, and they are really just kind of a middle-of-the-pack, uh, smaller Pac-12 school. And for a school like that, marquee road trips, they just don't happen but every once or two decades. And so because of that, we said, let's, let's go to Madison and let's watch them play the Wisconsin Badgers. And for us, this was a huge deal. We've been planning this trip for six months. I got time off from the football team from Justin back in the summer. Uh, and uh, Wisconsin, they, they are a good football program. They have a historic stadium. It seats 100,000 people. I'd never been to a Big Ten stadium. I'd never been in a stadium with 100,000 people. And so we were excited. And so we drove up to Madison. We'd flown into Chicago. We drove up to Madison. We found this little Quaker church that was close to the stadium. They had $20 parking. And this sweet little Midwestern Quaker lady that looked just exactly like you envision her, she came up and she took our money and she let us know that the church was open both before and after the game to use the restroom. And she was just so sweet. And then she saw our clothing and she saw we weren't Wisconsin fans. So she said, where, where are you guys from? And so we explained that we had traveled from Wyoming, from Oregon, from Southern California and Washington, D.C. all for this trip. And she looked at us with shock and she said, you traveled all the way from there to Madison? Why would you come to Madison? And to her, it was just Madison. It was just a small college town in Wisconsin. Why would anyone come visit there? But to us, it was a destination. It was a point of excitement and thankfulness for the opportunity. But in her nearness to the experience, in her familiarity with Madison, she had no awe and no appreciation of what she had. And this is how we often view God as well. In our familiarity, in our nearness, we miss the awe and the wonder of God. We miss the reality, the truth, the power, the awe that the God of the universe calls us and he promises to be with us always and to never leave us or forsake us. This world is hard. Life is challenging. Our call to take the gospel to the world is overwhelming. But this reality that God is with us, he will never leave us or forsake us. That he is all-powerful. That reality is our strength to persevere to press on, to hold out hope, and to live our lives for Jesus. And we're going to see that today, various times that God made this promise in the Bible and how it applies to our lives. So we're going to start with Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, and then we will go from there. It reads, starting in verse 5, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid for what can mere mortals do to me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you uh, for who you are. Lord, we thank you uh, that you do love us. God, we thank you that you have offered us forgiveness and, and new life in you. God, we thank you for this promise that no matter what we are going through in this life, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And God, I pray that as we walk through these various passages, Lord, I pray that, that something in here would apply to us today. Lord, they would apply through what we are walking through. And God, I pray that we would find the strength and endurance uh, to press on and, and to press on in your call and to rest in your promises. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we jump in, I, I want to first uh, start by defining this wor these words. What does it mean that I will never leave you? And maybe more so, what does it mean that I will never forsake you? Um, that's not a word that I use every single day. So let's see what it means. 
The Greek word for leave is anime, and this is what the word means. It means to send back, to let go, to relax, loosen, or desist from. And so God is saying that I will never send you back. I will never let go of you. I will never relax my hold on you. I will never loosen my grip on you. I will never give up on you. I will never desist from being around you. We live in a world that is quick to move on and give up on people and things. But God says, never, not ever, will he give up on you. Will he move on from you? Will he let you go? No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter how much you have failed, God says, if you are his, then he will never let go or give up on you. This is a tougher one. The word forsake comes from this giant Greek word that pronounced something like this, egka telepo. And this is what it means. It means to leave behind, abandon, or desert. God says that I will never leave you behind, I will never abandon you, and I will never desert you. And in this life, there are times we experience feelings of abandonment and desertment. There are times that family or friends might do this. There are times that those we love, those that we consider partners and friends, they may move on and we feel as though we have been deserted and left all alone. But the God of the universe who loves us more than we can comprehend says, never, not ever, will I ever forget, forsake you. Never will I leave you behind. Never will I desert you or forget you. In Matthew 28, when Jesus is giving the Great Commission, he lays out our call and our purpose in this life. And he says, we can do this because he will be with us always to the end of the age. My mind can't wrap around the incredible nature of this promise. The God of the universe tells me and that as his follower, he will never leave me. He will never abandon me. He is with me always, and he will never, ever let me go. No matter what I've done, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm facing, no matter how I've failed, no matter how I hurt, God says he will never leave me or forsake me. That's an incredible truth and promise to cling to as we navigate this world. In Hebrews 13.5, the author, he's not writing these words on his own, but he's quoting the Old Testament. And when the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon preached on this text, he visited five texts in the Old Testament where God also uttered this promise to his people. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to visit those five texts briefly and see the power of this promise in those specific times in our life where we too need to experience and walk forward in this truth. But before we get there, the first point is just simply in Jesus, I am not forsaken. In Jesus, I am not forsaken. That's incredible because I, I know my heart. I know my thinking. I know my failures and my imperfections. And there are times I'm ready to forsake myself. And yet God speaks over me, I am not forsaken. And God speaks over me that never, not ever will God forsake me. What an incredible and empowering truth. All right, so uh, in addition to that, this promise is also true to every follower of Jesus, not just ourselves. And so, uh, so, so that means that if our children, if our spouse, if our friend is a follower of Jesus, these promises are true for them as well. So we can keep that in mind as we think of our friends and family that are walking through these situations. All right, let's visit those five instances where God speaks this promise. The first one comes to, uh, from God to Jacob in Genesis 28, 15. Melody mentioned it, but we've been looking at the story of Jacob and Esau and our family devotions, and Jacob is a mess. But in Genesis 28, Jacob has fled for his life from his family. Jacob's father loved his brother Esau more than him. Esau is angry with Jacob. And the Bible tells us Esau hated Jacob and desired to kill Jacob, his brother. All right, there's a lot to this dysfunctional family story. And as I said, Jacob is far from innocent, but that's the setting of Genesis 28. We are told that Jacob is on the run for his life with only a stone for a pillow. He felt as if he had no friends, no family, and he was all alone. It's in that setting that God speaks to Jacob, and he says in verse 15, 
Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I, I have done what I have promised you. Again, this is so incredible because Jacob was a deceiver. He was a sinner. And in many ways, it was his deception and his sin that had led him to this tribulation and trial. And yet in this place, God speaks to him. And God doesn't speak to him with condemnation, but he says to him, I am a promise keeper and I will keep my promise despite your sin and your character. And he speaks to Jacob, I will be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will keep my promise to you. Now, Jacob's life's not going to be easy. It's not going to be smooth sailing. But God promises to keep his promise and be with him through it all. And that promise is true for us as well. Even in our trials, God promises to be with us always and to never forsake us. Even when it's our own decisions that cause our trials and tribulations, God promises that he will be with us, that he will not forsake us, and that he will redeem it for his glory and our good. And so our next point is that in trials, God promises he will never leave me or forsake me. For some, we might be here today and we are facing trials and we, like Jacob, feel as though we are all alone. We feel abandoned. We feel let down. Maybe we feel let down by ourselves and the future just seems uncertain. If that is you, God speaks over your life that he is still with you. He is still a promise keeper and he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can face tomorrow, you can face uncertainty, you can face trials because God is with you, he loves you, and he knows the way forward. God would keep his promise to Jacob. He would work and soften his brother Esau's heart in a miraculous way, and he would use a sinful man like Jacob for good and for the kingdom of God. That's true of our lives as well. God is with us in our trials. He desires to lead us forward. He's working all around us, and he desires to use us for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. All right, let's look at the second instance of this promise. The second is in Deuteronomy 31. And the context for this promise is fear. It's an uncertain future. The Israelites, we've been with the Israelites a lot. They are getting ready to take the promised land, but there are giants to overcome. There is an army that is stronger and more advanced than them, and there are years of battles to come. The odds don't look good, but God has said go. And then perhaps even more fearful than that, their leader Moses is dying and he won't be their leader moving forward. The people are full of fear. The future looks cloudy. The leader is leaving and God speaks to the people through Moses uh, in Deuteronomy 31, starting in verse 1. It says, then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I'm now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. In the eyes of man, the plans seem difficult. They seem crazy. The long, odds seem long. But God says to them, I am with you. I have gone before you, and I have promised you. And it's that same promise that God speaks over our lives, and he speaks over the church. 
the world is difficult, that at times seems like God is losing, that we are being overcome and the future is cloudy. But God declares over our lives, over our eternity, over the church, that I am already victorious. I have already conquered Satan. Your eternity is secure and I'm with you always. We can press on in the face of fear and uncertainty because God goes before us and he is with us always and will not forsake us. So that's our next point. In the midst of fear and an uncertain future, God promises he will never leave me or forsake me. We as individual followers of Jesus, we as the local church and we as the universal church, we can press on in the midst of fear and in the midst of uncertainty because we know that God is with us and he will not leave us or forsake us. Again, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I am quite certain there is something in your future that feels very uncertain. Something that feels overwhelming and it causes you to fear. And for you and I, God promises that in that, he goes with us, he is with us, and he will not forsake us no matter what happens. Spurgeon wrote, and I love this. He said, let us undertake what we may. We shall never fail. Let us by faith dare to do great things and we shall do great things. Let us venture upon notable exploits which shall seem fanatical to reason and absurd to men of prudence. For God hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If the church of God uh, would but know that her Lord cannot leave her, she might attempt greater things than she has ever done, and the success of her attempts would be most certain and sure. God never can forsake a praying people, nor cast off a laboring church. He must bless us even to the end. I love that. Let us dare to do great things in the Lord. Let us do that which seems impossible, that which seems overwhelming because God is with us and he makes a way. In our lives, it seems impossible and too great to expect that God could use me to reach my community, my neighbor, my coworker, my family. But I go out as a light into the darkness because I know that God has called me to it and I know that he goes before me. I know that he is with me and I know that he will be with me always. The next time God says this promise is just a short time later. God here in Deuteronomy 31 makes this promise to the people of Israel, but then he makes the promise to the new leader, Joshua. Right, we spent some time with Joshua. Can you, remember, can you imagine being his, in his shoes? Moses has died. He's been left in charge. He's never been the leader before. He certainly feels unqualified and unprepared. And then the task that God has given to him and to the people is to take the promised land, which is full of people that are bigger, stronger, and better equipped than him. The task as a new leader had to have felt impossible. We know the Israelites, they are stubborn and prone to sin and grumbling. Who would want to lead them? Joshua had to felt like, why me, God, and how? And it's in the midst of that fear and his uncertainty, his questions, God speaks to Joshua. And he says to Joshua, you don't need all the answers. You don't need all the details. You just trust me and I will make a way. And I am with you and I will never leave you. It's in Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. God says to him, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. In life, there are times that God calls us to lead, to walk forward in faith when the way seems impossible and uncertain. In those times, if you're like me, you want all the steps, you want all the answers, you want to know the outcome before we start the process. But as we know, that's rarely the case. We, don't, we can't control and know all the details. Instead, God calls us to follow him forward in faith. That's our next point. When God calls me to lead or to walk in faith, he will never leave me 
or forsake me. When you feel like running when God says go, when you feel unqualified for that which God is calling you to, when you feel like you don't have the strength to move forward, God says, follow me because I am with you. I know the way forward and I will make a way. You just come and follow me and I will be with you always. When God calls you to lead your family, you can do so because God is with you. When God calls you to trust him in a new job, a new community, or a new role from, from where you are, you can do so because God is with you. When something shakes your future, you can trust it to God because he is with you. The next promise, our instance of this promise is found in 1 Chronicles 28, 20. And this promise is spoken to Solomon from his father David as Solomon has been tasked with the seemingly impossible job of building the temple. 1 Chronicles 28, 20, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Here's what Spurgeon wrote on this. He said, some Christians are placed where they need much prudence, discretion, and wisdom. You may take this for your promise. The queen of Sheba came to see Solomon. She put to him many difficult questions, but God did not leave him nor forsake him, and he was able to answer them all. As judge over Israel, many naughty points were brought before him. You remember the child and the harlots and how wisely he decided the case. The building of the temple was a very mighty work, the like of which earth had never seen. But by wisdom given to him, the stones were fashioned and laid one upon another till the, at the top stone was brought out with shoutings. You shall do the same, O man of business, though yours be a very responsible situation. You shall finish your course, O careful worker, though there be many eyes that watch for your halting. You shall do the same, sister, though you need to have seven eyes rather than two. You shall hear the voice of God saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Thou shalt never be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. So when we need wisdom, when we need discernment, when the future seems like too much and our responsibility too great, we can move forward trusting that God has placed us where we are for a purpose. Trusting he will supply all that we need and he will be with us. So that's our next point. When I need wisdom and or the task feels too great, I can move forward because God is with me and he will never forsake me. When God calls, he makes a way. There are many here that God has placed in positions of great influence, of challenge, and who need his wisdom and discernment on a daily basis. His wisdom to deal with difficult and complicated situations. God has called all of us as followers of Jesus to be his light, his witness to the world. And in Luke 12, 12, and other instances, he promises to be with us and provides the words and wisdom we need. So no matter what we are facing, no matter how overwhelmed we might feel, we can move forward knowing that God is with us and that he is the keeper of all wisdom. And he will provide his wisdom and his words as we need them if we are walking with him. If we are asking for his wisdom, if we are willing to listen and follow his wisdom. God has placed you where you are, in your position, in your family, in your job for a purpose. And he promises that he will be with you and provide for you all that you need as you move forward if you are following him. So don't be overwhelmed, don't doubt, but ask God for his wisdom and he will provide and he will be with you always. When you face the challenging meeting, ask God for wisdom and trust that he is with you. When your neighbor asks about the hope you have in Jesus, walk in confidence that God will provide the wisdom you need. When the community or the organization or the group of people seem like they are too much, 
Ask God for wisdom and he will provide all you need. And he will lead you forward and use your faithfulness for his glory, just as he did with Solomon. All right, final instance. It's in Isaiah 41, 17. And perhaps this is you today. Isaiah 41, 17, God speaks over Israel. The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. And in this passage, God speaks over those that cannot meet even their most basic need that he is able and he will provide. And yes, God does promise to meet our physical needs and he is more than able. We see that in Philippians 4.19. But this promise in the context is so much greater than just physical needs and water. In Isaiah 41, God is speaking through Isaiah to the nation of Israel whose faith, whose relationship with God has run dry due to their idolatry. They have abandoned the God of the universe for their own gods and their own ways. And yet in their sin, God speaks over them, although you have abandoned me, I have not abandoned you and I have not forsaken you. And if you will repent and turn to me, then I will wait for you not with condemnation, but with flowing water that leads to life. And that's exactly what God speaks over my life. And he speaks over every person that will humble themselves and turn to him. And so our final point today is this, in my greatest need, I am not forsaken. We spent a lot of time on this last week, but the Bible is clear that our greatest need in this world is not financial, it's not physical, it's not anything in this world. But our greatest need is our sin, which separates us from a holy and perfect God. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and our sin separates us now and for eternity from him. And yet in our sin, in our separation, God has made a way for us to be forgiven. The Bible says that God so loved you and I that while we were still sinners, he sent Jesus to live the sinless life we couldn't live and to die the death we deserve. The Bible tells us Jesus then rose victorious over death and the grave three days later, and he offers his life his sinlessness, his forgiveness to any and all that will repent and follow after him. In Isaiah 41, when the nation repented and turned to God from their sin, he met them with love, with forgiveness, and the promise to never forsake them. And that's still true for us today. Anyone that will turn from their sin and ask Jesus for forgiveness and make God the Lord, the, the boss of their life, will be forgiven. Our sin is our greatest need, and God and his love has not forsaken us, but he has made a way for us to be forgiven. And that application is twofold. First, maybe you are here and you have never asked Jesus for forgiveness. You've never trusted him with your life and your future and your eternity. If that's you, then forgiveness awaits. And not only that, so too does the promise that God will be with you and will not forsake you. If you've never trusted Jesus with your life, then, then you are on your own to handle the ups and the downs, the trials and the tribulations of this world and the next. But when you ask Jesus for forgiveness and you trust your life to him, then you will experience forgiveness of sins. You will be made right with God. You will experience eternity in heaven, and you will experience the confidence that God is with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. So maybe you're here today and you need to trust Jesus with your life. On the other hand, maybe you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, then you can find great gratitude and confidence in this point. If God loved you and made a way in your greatest need, then he is surely worthy of your trust in every other need. 
If God was willing to make a way in your greatest need, then you can trust he has not forsaken you and he will make a way forward in whatever you are facing today. God is worthy of our thanks. He's proven worthy of our confidence in our future. So as we begin to respond, there's a lot we have covered today and there are a lot of places that we can find ourselves. And there are a lot of implications for this promise. This news that God will never ever leave us or forsake us. So maybe you're here today and you are in the midst of a trial just like Jacob. If that's you, you can trust that God, God will be with you and he will lead you during that time. You can trust that no matter what the future looks like, God will never forsake you. And you can trust that he will lead you and make a way forward. Or maybe you're here and you're like the people of Israel. And the present situation and the future just seems overwhelming. They were being called to take on a task that seemed like too much. Their known leader was leaving them. They were overwhelmed, and maybe that is you today. Life just feels like too much. If that's you, you can know that God is with you. You can know that he is able and he is greater than the challenge and the struggle. Cast your burdens, cast your trials, as Peter says on him. Give them to him through prayer and trust him to lead you forward. Maybe you relate with the nation of Israel because you've recently lost someone that you love and you can't see a way forward without them. You can trust that God is with you and he will be your rock, your strength in their absence. You can trust that Jesus is your savior. He is your helper. He is your provider and deliverer. He is your healer. He is your comforter. And he is with you. If that's you, again, cast your struggles, your hurts, your burdens on him and know that he is able. Or maybe you're like Joshua and Solomon and God is calling you to a task that seems too great. Something that's out of your comfort zone and you don't know how you could possibly accomplish it. Trust that if God has led you there, he will make a way forward. He will provide the wisdom and discernment and abilities to move forward. Trust that God will help you tackle the project and bring it to completion. If he is led, he will not leave you nor forsake you. And he will be with you through it all. God is able, God is wisdom, God will provide all that you need. Or lastly, as Melinda comes, maybe you are like the nation of Israel and Isaiah. You've hit rock bottom and you don't know where to turn. You recognize you're a sinner, you recognize you are separated from God and you are looking for hope. If that's you, then God waits for you to repent and return to him. And if you repent, which means to turn from your sin and turn from your strength and turn from your pride and turn to God, the Bible says you will be forgiven. Through Jesus, he has paid the price for your sin. And if you trust your life and your future to him, the Bible says you will be forgiven. God waits for you. He doesn't condemn you. He will not forsake you. He will not turn against you. But when you go to God, he will embrace you. He will love you. He will forgive you. And he will provide assurance to your eternity. So maybe that's you and you need to trust Jesus for the first time today. If so, you can pray in your seat, you can mark it on your welcome card, or you can come and talk with me. It would be my joy to help you make that decision today. You experience his love and forgiveness. So as we wrap up, I'm going to pray for us. And after I pray, Melinda's just going to play for a couple of minutes. And as she plays, I just ask you to bow your head and just to pray. It's my prayer that God has spoken to you and in some area of your life where you need to trust him. And I would ask you to pray and give that to him and then I'll come back and close us. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you love us and that you offer us forgiveness. God, we thank you that 
in our forgiveness. We are forgiven completely and totally. God, we thank you that uh, although we have forsaken you, you have not forsaken us. And so, God, I pray that as we walk forward, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they might experience your forgiveness and your presence today. And, God, I pray for those that are here that, that are forgiven, that have experienced your forgiveness, that have trusted their life to you, Lord, that they might know that you will never leave them or forsake them. God, that you might make that afresh to them. Perhaps in the familiarity, they have uh, just become too comfortable and they don't uh, appreciate the awe and the wonder that you love them, that you care for them, and that you are with them. So God, I pray that you would make that afresh to us today. And God, I pray that no matter what we are walking through, no matter what trial, no matter what hurt, no matter what pain, no matter what uncertainty, no matter what task awaits tomorrow, God, that you would assure us that you are with us that you will never leave us or forsake us. So God, I pray that you would just speak to us in these next couple of minutes, Lord, that we would trust our lives, trust our future, trust our todays and our tomorrows to you. In your name we pray, amen. Again, Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you will not leave us or forsake us. May we walk forward in that reality today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, just a couple of announcements before we dismiss. Uh, first of all, if you're new to Living Hope Church, there should be a welcome card somewhere in the vicinity of you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind filling that out and placing that wood box on the back table, we'd appreciate it. Um, that's also you can place your tithes and offerings if you consider this your church home. Uh, in terms of announcements, we have a small group Bible study that meets here at the church on Sunday nights tonight from 6 to 7. Uh, we would love for you to join us for that. Uh, we have youth group and kids night that meets here at the church on Wednesdays from 6 to 7. If you have questions about youth group, you can see Justin. If you have questions about kids night, uh, you can see me. Uh, and then we lastly, we have kids choir that meets here on Wednesday nights from 5 to 545. Uh, there's a snack served between that and kids night. So if you have a question about that, you can see Miss Chandra. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we pray and hope you have a wonderful week, and we hope to see you again next week. You are dismissed.